G'day, Jonesy here. On this episode of Power Up Your Business podcast, we speak with Mark Young and Craig Smith, two senior leaders from Reese, who are the international plumbing and trade supply specialists. The senior leadership team, you know, around keeping that culture vibrant in the branches is the majority of our leadership teams have got 10 year plus experience. So they're setting the examples in the branches on a day to day basis. And those that are coming in at entry level get to see the leaders and they're putting pipe away, they're sweeping the floors, they're emptying rubbish bins. Doesn't matter your position, you know, you can do all the one percenters. Now, if you're fair to income about growing your business, this episode is for you. Learn from the market leaders how you can dominate your market through empowering team members, through doing little things right, and developing that culture where everyone buys in. Today's episode is brought to you by The Cube Software Platform, assisting business owners how to plan, market, and improve their financial decision-making. To find out more about The Cube, go to www.thecube.network and click Request a Demonstration Now. Here to change your life. Because there's too much on the line, you're sacrificing shitload now and your family need to benefit. You've got to make learning a passion for yourself. The clicker for me come to realise that, hey, I've got to get better at business. And welcome to this episode of Power Up Your Business podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Jones, and really excited to be here today with a couple of the gurus from the Reese Group, uh, the senior leaders from the New South Wales team. Mark Young, Youngie, welcome. Thanks, mate. And Craig Smith, Smitty. Hey, Matty. And for those of you who are not aware, the Reese Group, the leading plumbing suppliers and trade suppliers through the Australian market. Reese have got a great story. I'm really keen to tap into the Reese story today. Big on success leaves clues, and from a Reese perspective, and empowering teams. Now, for listeners, I've been involved with Reese now since 2009. I've been very fortunate to partner with Reese and provide the Reese customers with business training, coaching tools, and workshops. And since 2009, I've done about probably over 300 workshops. I've been fortunate enough to go to Perth, go to New Zealand, Hobart, Darwin. And the thing that really impresses me, it doesn't matter where I go, it's like a clone. They might be a bit taller, a bit shorter, thinner, fatter, but they're all of the same mindset, the same belief about, hey, it's all about customer value, it's about providing service, and it's a credit uh, to the Reese team. So, boys, just opening it up, that success leaves clues. Why is Reese now a powerhouse today? What sort of, and over to you, Young, I suppose to start with you, what's some of the big things that you see that is critical to Reese's success today? Yeah, I think um, for a business to be successful, you've got to have a great culture and something that's been pretty consistent through my time at Reese. I've been with Reese over 13 years now is the culture across everywhere you work within Reese. Um, I've been lucky enough to work within Australia and New Zealand with the Reese Group and yeah, the culture has been really consistent. So, and I suppose the essence of that has been from promoting within. So we've got a real model where we promote from the ground up. Um, myself started putting stock away uh, at Waterloo down the road here uh, and really the coaching and development side of the Reese group and their staff is really uh, important to be building that culture. Um, so when you've got a branch manager, he's done just about every uh, role through that store and he's uh, really hands-on with the, the coaching of the, of the staff but also 
uh, we're a really customer-centric uh, business and I think that is spread through the whole group. doesn't matter which business unit and doesn't matter what level of management. Uh, if you don't believe in our service standards, you really don't last within the business. Yeah, I love that where if you don't believe, see you later. And it's not – the managers don't have to get rid of anyone. It's more everyone on the team sort of turns around. So you're not, not pulling your weight. And the thing I like when – it doesn't matter what restore I go to, whether I go to the toilet, whether I go to the, the lunchroom, on the wall is the Reese way. So mm-hmm. this is what we believe in. You either believe it, you join us, have a good time, work hard, but if you don't, see you later. Yeah, and I suppose they're our company values and, um, well, the number one is creating customers for life. So uh, if people don't believe that, it, it's a culture that's really self-regulated as well. So often the team will pick someone that doesn't live the values before the management will, uh, and that's really powerful. But also the teamwork, not only from a branch at Waterloo, but how they interact with Waverley, but even someone as somewhere as far out as Moree, uh, if you're a part of the Reese family, you help each other out and they grow as a team is one of our values and one that really I think has differentiated us in the market and helped us to grow to the scale we are today. And Smitty, how long have you been with the team for? With yeah, the over group? 21 now, Matty. 21 years and mm. what do they say? In the head office of Boo, unless you've been there at least 20 years, you're still a junior? Yeah, I'm still a junior, mate. So Just... I haven't 25 years, still a couple away for me, but... Uh, yeah, and to, to Youngie's point, the the senior leadership team, you know, around keeping that culture vibrant in the branches is the majority of our leadership teams have got 10-year-plus experience. So they're setting the examples in the branches on a day-to-day basis and those that are coming in at entry level get to see the, the leaders in the – they're putting pipe away, they're sweeping the floors, they're emptying rubbish bins. Uh, it doesn't matter your position. You know, you can do all the, um, you know, the little one percenters because that's important. And when you grow from – where I first started and even where Youngie first started, we only had probably 100 to 150 stores in those days. And, you know, it was uh, as we grew and you're bringing, you know, a lot of new people into the organisation that uh, to keep um, that culture at a high level, you know, we, we needed uh, our senior leadership teams to keep to continue to do those one percenters. And, you know, we, we revisited that actually not that long ago where we, we something we call the S7 standards, which is really, they're one percenters, but it's just answer the phone, service the customer in front of you, get your deliveries out on time, keep the area neat and tidy. It's just really simple stuff, but it's that, you know, first impressions, you know, we hold that in high regard. I think a lot of business owners, they always look for the, the big wins or the, you know, the big sale. But it, as you mentioned, so it's one percenters, it's doing the little things every day well is the hardest because yeah. it can get overlooked, correct? It's just one of those things where it's just like, oh, no, I don't need to worry about the, that little thing. I don't need to worry about getting back to that customer yeah. now. I'm going to look for the next big win. But it's the little things that yeah. create that culture. Definitely. And I think from our point of view, when we see those things that are um, good example, we make sure we share them and share them long and far. So as an example from a senior leadership position to say this is what's important, let's reinforce it and let's really uh, give the person the pat on the back that they deserve because that's what this company's about. Um, so it's been a pleasure, but, but it's never perfect either. So it takes a, a lot of focus long-term. Uh, it's a long slog and we do recruit for attitude with the view to build someone from the ground up. So you, I suppose from a managerial or a, a leadership point of view, we know that it's a long game, it's not a short one and we've got to invest a lot in those people um, because we know the business has been built on it so far, but yeah, as I said, it's a long slog, 
but very rewarding. It's a testament to the results of that long slog, putting the little things in and coming back to what you mentioned before, you know, about leading by example, doing the little things right, you know, sweeping the sheds. I love, obviously, the book about the All Blacks hmm. legacy. It's a great book around sweeping the sheds. But the thing that I definitely, from a first-hand perspective, wherever I go, there's, there's no... When I go in a room and there's all, all the Reese team there, you can't you don't look at it from a hierarchical, you don't know who's the boss or what. everyone's just the same, right? Everyone's got the same vision, everyone's got different roles, but everyone's respected mm. the same. And the big thing that I'm about from an empowering team point of view is about leading from within. Is that you don't have to have the big stick. You don't have to have that big stick to make people go. Like if, if everyone buys in and believes, the leadership comes from the inside out, whether you're a seventeen year old who's just starting out, can be the best leader in your organization. Taking that step from, again, from Reese's perspective, and again, for listeners, you know, Reese is nearly 100 years old next year. Reese started out with one store, one guy. Now, a lot of people now think, oh, yeah, but Reese is a you know, big company and they've got it easy, they've got the resources. But, you know, back in the day, they struggled like every other organisation. Some days you don't know if you're going to be surviving. Some days you don't know if you're going to be around, you know, have you got enough money to pay the bills. But Testament, they're here now. From your you know, intimate stories now with customers that you've had over a long period of time and you know the amount of the journey that you share with a lot of your customers what can you share to the listeners about that success leaves clues or empowering team that you've seen firsthand where business owners tradies have really got that concept of empowering teams they've got that concept of you know what i'm the leader i've actually got to get out of the way of the business let other people take control what are some of the success stories that you've seen firsthand from your customers yeah, I've got a really good story of that from probably uh, several years ago. I'd probably be about six or seven years ago now. I remember going around at the end of the year to uh, say thanks for their, their business to one of the plumbing companies here in Sydney. And in that year, he had doubled his, the size of his crew, um, but he hadn't really changed the way he was managing. And I saw him and he looked, he looked down and out. He looked like he was about to have a nervous breakdown. And we ended up having a good heart-to-heart chat and he just sort of said, I've done the wrong thing this year. He said, I've gone too big. Um, he said, I don't have the systems in place. And he said, I'm absolutely stretched. He said, the marriage is suffering. And I sort of said, well, what do you plan to do? And he said, I don't know. I'm going to sit on it over Christmas and then come back to you. So I remember going back about mid the way through the next year. He had actually trimmed it right back to where he was for. And he said, you know, I'm making more profit now with having less guys and he said the, the the key learning from that for him was he went too big too quick and he said the his key guys those four guys that he still had to that day he said I had enough there to build a business around those guys I just needed to do it the, the slow approach um, and he said and what I tried to do was do it all myself he said so I needed to build a team where I could share the load and actually make life easier not harder so I think there's there's a real good story there around, um, I suppose, the way Reese have done it as well. It has been a long slog and I think certainly the tradespeople that deal with us who build successful teams are the guys that back themselves in to do it over a long period of time. Don't do it too quick. Start a culture uh, and let it uh, manifest into something that's really great and then they eventually get tradespeople come into their door knocking on on their door for a job rather than then chasing them due to the culture and the the reputation they're having with their their workers but that's a big thing when you start you build a business you want to attract good clients not very many trade businesses think about attracting good team members and having the best marketing tool you've got is your current team members 
sprouting, hey, how good is it to work for this organisation? You know, I, I can leave at 3.30, I can go away, I don't get called to all these other different jobs, I get paid on time, they're, they're reinvesting in my training. They actually care about me, they actually listen to me, they treat me like a, an individual. And coming back to it, it's a classic scenario which we call beware growing broke. It's one of the, mm. the key things and part of our methodology, beware growing broke, where you double turnover, yep, your sales are going north, your productivity pretty much goes south, your profit goes south, your stress levels as a business owner just goes through the roof and you are that classic hamster on the wheel. For the listeners out there, growing your top line is easy, okay? It's not hard to win big jobs, but coming back to what Smitty was talking about before, it's the 1%. You've got to put the 1% in place if you're going to maximise good opportunities are in front of you. Smitty, from your point of view, what have you seen? Some good stories around. Yeah, I was just thinking as uh, Youngie was talking, as more of a general overview, you know, what I've seen over the 20 plus years is guys um, perhaps not understanding until many years have gone past the area of business that they're uh, involved in. Now, you know, back when I first started and I was in more regional areas, uh, Matty, was you had plumbers who had tickets to do a lot of things. They could have been doing roofing, gas fitting, uh, obviously drainage, um, they might have been putting some swampies on the roofs, et cetera, et cetera. And they, they carried a lot of tickets and they were doing – so they could go to a job, be on a job all week and do all these various uh, parts of the trade. Um, as years have gone on, um, some of the, the tradies or the techs have let some of their licences probably elapse. And, and so it comes down to something I've taken from some of your, um, your teachings, which is, well, now that I'm, I'm working in a tighter circle, where am I making my profit? Am I a hot water specialist? Am I a maintenance specialist? Am I a drainage specialist? Do I do, you know, luxury work? Do I do domestic work? You know, and really knowing their costs and then honing in on, on what they're good at. Because then the next step, as you were just talking about, when they go to um, potentially trying to increase turnover, is they're moving away from being the tradesman and becoming a business person. And for all of us, you know, even for Youngie and myself, you know, we go from being probably you know, uh, working in the inwards goods area. And as you move through and you get to management, it's all new to us as it was new to the plumbers. And you've got to le- you just got to learn and you've got to pick your marks, you know what you're good at and what you're not so good at. What you're not good at, you bring people in to help support you. Um, that, that's For me, that's what I've seen over the last sort of 20 years. The guys that have been long-term successful know what they're not good at and bring resources in to help. The guys who, to Youngie's point, you know, get stressed are the guys who are still trying to really do it as a lone hand. Yeah, it's a great point. You see a lot of guys start their business and just go for everything. Um, and it's a really good point for to take a step back for them to understand, well, what is their target market? What's their value proposition? Um, but they initially go chasing all the work. And for a plumber, it's often the builders that no one will work for. Or um, So it's really important for those guys to as they start their business to go, what am I targeting first? For a lot of business owners, you don't know what you don't know. So you, as a tradie, you're just taught to do a lot, you know, get a lot of things done at the end of the day. So when you then transition to a business owner, you just think, the more jobs I do, then I'm going to be better off financially, right? But obviously it's the other way. And often when there's that lack of confidence or when you don't know your numbers, so you don't know which jobs you're making good money or not making money on, you think you just got to do more. So you're not confident in saying no, so you just say yes to everything. And then again, I'm not confident in bringing other people in. Everything revolves around me and it becomes that, again, you're the bottleneck of the business. And often when you get to that situation and you start blaming everyone else, oh, I can't get good team members, you know, these, these guys are dickheads. Why can't they think like me? Mm. It's like you're the dickhead, mate. And that's what we always say. If, if you've got issues, it's not... 
the people around you look in the mirror, you're generally the issue there. Mm. Now, getting on to now, from that really, you know, that team and, and the, the culture, this is a big thing for me. This is a big, from my organisation, one thing starting out, I knew when we started from in the coaching game back in 2007, I knew I needed to partner with people. I knew I wanted to be, you know, partnering with the right organisation. So hence, talking with Reese. I wanted to make sure, you know, to as a small business, how could I leverage the market? How could I, rather than talk to one-on-one, how can I talk to, you know, tens of thousands at once? So hence for me, I knew I wanted to partner with Reese, the market leader. Same vision, same values, that connection there. From Reese's perspective, you know, the, the power of partnerships. And one thing, again, listeners out there, as a business owner, you cannot do it alone. You, you need good people in your corner that support you. The big thing from my point of view, you know, win-win partnerships. If your customers are winning, you're winning. If I'm winning, you're winning. It's that mentality. It's not a win-loss mentality. How important is those, the win-win partnerships and, and you know, partnering with people and assisting them on their journey from Reese's perspective and, and the overall success that Reese has had to date? Yeah, well, definitely. I think some of the training you've done has really helped us uh, internally as well, uh, identify opportunities to have win-win partnerships with our own customers. But it's really about getting close enough to your customers to understand the intricacies of their business and knowing from a merchant point of view, how do we help them become more successful as well? Uh, as a partnership, we like to always say that our customers aren't customers, they're business partners. So, and we often get told that our staff members are the equivalent of one of their employees for the work that they do for them. And uh, we really want to make an impact to their lives, not just their business. And we want to make sure that we're giving them the tools and the assistance that we can to help build their business. We know that uh, the merchant they choose actually has an impact to their brand and the way that we service them can have a huge impact to their bottom dollar, good or bad. Um, you know, if we if we let them down with service, it's not only money, it's actually their reputation as well. So we've got to be really mindful of that, but we can also have a really positive impact by the service we provide or the value proposition that we give to them. I mean, talk about great stories. I was in Perth not long ago. It was a great story. There was a husband and wife team just doing uh, bathroom and kitchen renovations and they just subbed everything out. What they used to do, they used to go and talk to the customer, then they'd get the scope from the customer, then they'd go to the bathroom life and then they'd talk to the bathroom life and they'd come back to the customer and then back and forth. The bathroom life um, um, team member said, look, how about you provide us a scope, send the client there and we'll, we'll run them through it, assist you. Anyway. Long, you know, 12 months down the track, this bathroom life person is basically their team member. That's what they said. There's a team member. They just talk to the client. They send all the information to the bathroom life team member. The client goes there and basically the bathroom life team member makes us up. That bathroom life team member is win-win. You know, he's committed and buying into that organisation and it's a, it's a connected brand, a connected uh, delivery for that client uh, and it's a great story. Smitty, from your point of view, again, win-win partnerships. So, it, and to take a step back, you know, our responsibility to our customer is who we partner with, you know, because again, we could damage the, uh, you know, our brand and potentially the customer's brand if our uh, partnerships aren't, at, you know, uh, with the right companies uh, and with the right people. So, you know, our suppliers fit into that category. It's really important who we partner with. It goes to the innovation and some of the products then we might bring to the market as well. To keep, you know, to keep our customers at the forefront of their industry and being the Reese Group now, that could be not only plumbing, it could be HVAC, it could be civil, it could be on-site, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's where it starts for us and then we're going to, the, uh, to our customer and through uh, uh, 
mini workshops uh, and toolbox meetings, we call them. We will get, we're going out and with product specialists or, or tech experts from the companies, we're helping the customers stay at the forefront of the industry. So that's that's you know our responsibility in the in the partnership uh, to go and keep them you know keep them as up to date as we possibly can around products and services. I know Reese obviously invests a lot going overseas, going over to Europe, the latest and greatest. And look, when I was a tradie back in the 1990s, it was pretty simple. I had a tape measure, had oxyacetylene and a tube of silicon, and I could pretty much do anything. Mm. Duct tape, duct tape, hundred percent heaps of duct tape. That was my go, but. Now it's just totally different, you know, with the software, the digitization, the speed. It's amazing, and it, like you mentioned, that your key um, value added is keeping your customers ahead of the game, keeping mm. your customers ahead yeah. of the competition. I think the technology is a big one, and probably something that's uh, reared its head in the last couple of years, and uh, that's a big focus for us at the moment because we know if we can't actually integrate with someone's software program or job management program, it can become a deal breaker. This is These are now probably the most important part of a plumber's business is how they uh, transact from a digital point of view with their own employees and their merchants and their uh, supplier partners. Um, but I suppose the win-win partnerships as well, you know, this this year we're doing a lot with the, the TAFEs across uh, Australia as well and we see that as a real... Uh, probably an obligation for us with the size of the business we are um, today in Australia that uh, the future of our industry and the future, the health of it really depends on who's coming through the TAFEs at the moment. And uh, for us, that is also a win-win partnership for uh, not only Reese and the TAFEs, but also the plumbing businesses across the country. Yeah. Look, and one of the other things we're doing, Maddie, is uh, and we started it probably inside the business for a starter was, you know, quarterly health checks. Because, you know, I know when I first started, perhaps like when you first started, the, the first you you or I probably knew about, well, how, how did the last 12 months go was your accountant telling you uh, thumbs up or thumbs down. You know, we've we've had to get better than that. And uh, so, we, you know, we're sitting down quarterly. I'd be sitting with Youngie. We'd be going through how things going, what should, where, where should the focuses be for the next quarter. We're taking that to the to the um, to the tech to the, the plumber or the builder as well at the moment, and um, just giving them a health check around you know how you're going because there's a lot of information we can pull out of our system now to to give them information they may not be aware of. Uh, and, you know, we think that's that's really important in that partnership and and looking for those win wins. How can we? You know, we want to be competitive. Don't get us wrong, but we certainly want to save people time because in Sydney, particularly in Sydney Metro at the moment. We know ourselves, we're just talking about it on the way here. You know, you, younger or I go to see someone, then they're in Penrith or Liverpool, you're talking half a day's gone, mm. you know. So you, you've got to be really conscious of, of time. Yeah, one of the key one of the key outcomes we often get from those quarter health checks is like you've got a plumber who's, or a builder who's got numerous guys on the road doing work for them, um, but they're getting 70% of their orders from Reese, they're picking up. Yeah. Uh, we've got a massive fleet that delivers They're saving product. $10 an order. Yeah, so takes them two hours for a business owner to see the data though, and to be able to say, okay, let's shift our focus for the next quarter together uh, to try and get some of our guys to utilise your delivery network rather than pickups. Uh, there's some really invaluable things that you can pick up for just from sitting down and understanding how they're transacting with you and how you can add extra value to their business. Just yeah, just on that, right? If I could jump in, the I was with a plumber the other day doing a health check, and one of the things that he mentioned was that he's toll bills monthly now are as high, higher than his fuel bills. And, and so we had that conversation uh, around, you know, deliveries and, 
you know, it doesn't always work, and we understand that. Um, but, but where we can make it work better for them and, and gain efficiencies, and if they can be on the tools for an additional hour per day, every day, what could that be worth at, at, uh, at the end of the year? And that comes back to knowing your numbers, correct? That comes back to knowing your mm. operations. Now, on that win-win partnerships and just finishing up on, on this area, it's a real passion of mine. It's a real – the thing to get out there as a business owner is you've got to be understanding what you want. What do you want to be good at? Where do you want to go? Now, how important or how easy is it when a tradie, business owner, comes to you and says, hey, youngie, hey, Smitty, I want to be the best at residential maintenance or I want to be the best at you know high-end architectural uh, installs for construction. When they're very clear on what they want and they're really pointed at you for questions, basically, hey, are you good enough to help me? When someone comes to you very clearly like that, how easy is it for you to help them? Well, I suppose, Matty, what we have got over the journey is we've got a lot of data on same-type businesses. Uh, that's where, you know, so if I'm sitting, you know, or, or anyone from my team would be sitting with someone uh, that you've just described you know, we'd be, we'd be calling on the data, I suppose, to some extent around like-type businesses. You know, we've got a, a lot of historical information now around that. So we can, we can help guide them through that. And then the decision's ultimately still theirs, but we can certainly give them the data and give them the information so they can make better informed decisions. And again, that goes to the health checks. Yeah, well, one thing that I think is really underutilised in the industry is like-minded business people talking to each other. Um, it's very secretive. Uh, you know, the plumbing business down the road won't want to talk to the other plumbing business up the road. Uh, but at the end of the day, there's a lack of trades. They're all going through the same thing. Uh, and I think through some of your sessions, you you often get the plumbers after the session when they're having a bite to eat start talking to each other. Um, there's a lot of expertise to be shared just within the industry. Uh, and I, I reckon there's a real missed opportunity there from a community point of view for the guys to help themselves. But this comes back to the mentality, right? This comes back to the culture of the trades. It's like, it's just me, don't share. A customer approaches and you sort of treat it like this is the last customer on earth. And we've got that scarcity mentality. We're on big on the abundance mentality. And this is where you, there's a niche for everyone, especially in every market. You know, just because you're a plumber, oh, hang on, you're a plumber, I'm a plumber. So straight away you think you're competing, but hang on. You know, what type of customers are you focusing on? What uh, problems are you really solving? Where are you the experts at? Especially now, there's so many, so much diversity. And again, if we collaborate, and those, look, the businesses that are out there that are really doing well, they're the ones that are collaborating. They're transparent and they're growing. Just on the, uh, the point of collaboration and uh, in New Zealand, I remember one week I went and saw two separate businesses amongst some other visits, but there were two guys, they were both probably early 30s, both had plumbing businesses as employees between 10 and 20 people, probably on the similar journey to what Reese were at the time in New Zealand, trying to build a really big uh, culture from, we had inexperienced staff, but we had a really good group of people that we were trying to build experience in. These two plumbing business had the exact same issue. Uh, and both the uh, directors of these companies that I saw on separate days, but in the same week, it was almost like mirror image of what they were going through and uh, they were probably asking us for a bit of guidance, you know, how do you do it with your staff, what do you suggest that we do, you know, what rhythm should we put in place to build experience and whatnot and I sort of at the the end of the week I reviewed the week and I said, you know what, I should just put these two together and see what can uh, come of it. So I rang the first one and just said, would you be keen to talk to another business owner that I've met this week that's probably going through similar uh, pain points is what you are. 
and he was all for it. He said, I've never done this before. And I said, I think you'd probably work pretty well. Uh, and all they did was hook up, go to a pub. They probably just vented for a couple of hours, but then it became actually a regular thing. And the guys, uh, you know, I've left the New Zealand business now, but when I last left, they, they were on first name basis with each other. They were they were pretty friendly with each other, but I think it broke down the barrier of saying, well, we're not here to steal each other's business. We're actually here to help each other. And that was invaluable. Uh, one of the meetings we would go along to, uh, but often they would just meet up and I think they were even thinking of doing joint Christmas parties in the end with the, the two businesses. It's sharing the same story. It's yep. the same story. You're on the same path and it's just assisting each other. When was the last time a customer come up to you and said, Hey, Smitty, or hey, Youngie, next Friday at 9 o'clock, I'm going to take you out for breakfast. I want to pitch a plan to you. Hey, I win, you win, are we together? When was it? Does that happen often? Well, actually, for, for myself, it happened just the other day. I was uh, yeah, with one of the, the bigger um, customers in, in the area that I look after in, uh, in the lower North Shore area. And it, uh, we were just talking, you know, generally about um, it was a little bit of a quarterly health check theme to the, to the uh, catch up. We got talking about where they were making some other purchases out of our HVAC business. They'd purchased off Actrol. Uh, they needed some parts off civil. And one of the questions, to their credit, they popped up with was, you know, the Reese Group now, like what other businesses do you have? Which led to me working with a guy that I've worked with for a long time now, Benny Council. He works in our irrigation civil business. Um, these guys do a lot of uh, work around maintenance in ponds and pools on larger commercial sites. Uh, now, all of a sudden, we've got a meeting booked in for about three weeks' time where we can sit down and ex- both explore the opportunities. You know, f- for us, there's a win potentially here and for the um for the business owner there's a there's a potential win here because and he's going to deal with someone potentially who he's had a long-standing relationship with so yeah that's love they love those stories it is often uh, a plumber builder um aircon user they do often say well this is a target market i want to go after uh you do quite often get it where they say you know how do you think we should tackle this and you know what offerings do you guys have that uh we could use and collaborate together and do it. So I think it is really important that they understand it is a win-win, but we're going to help you break into that market and probably share our expertise across the business units to to make sure that they enter that market in the right way and uh, we both grow. Pretty simple. Ask the question. Ask the question. Mm. When you're in the trading mindset, you're waiting to be tapped on the shoulder, you're expecting Reese to take you out for lunch where the successful guys – they will step forward. They're not going to wait. They're going to be proactive. They're going to be accountable. They're going to take you out to lunch and ask the question. Ask the question, everyone. Mm-hmm. How can you help me? Don't wait to be tapped. Oh, no one helps me. Uh, well, it was me sort of bullshit, which is common, right? Yeah, nothing much changed in, in, in my time. Like I've, I did a trade as a kid, um, went down to Melbourne, uh, Jonesy, and, and did a trade. So I've been in the industry for a long time, come off a farm originally. So I'd like to think I'm a, pra- a fairly practical sort of person. But, but the one thing that's not changed in all that time, nearly 30 years probably, is, is everyone likes a counter lunch. And we're not saying don't have the counter lunches, guys, but bring something to the table. Don't, yeah. you know, try and take something away. If you just get one thing from us or we can get one thing from them, then we're in a situation where we can, you know, hopefully we can better their situation and help them. Well, it comes back to that whole time, right? Like it takes a long time to get there, especially mm. in this busy day and age. If you're going to meet, yeah, make it proactive. Get some takeaway out of it. Just Not, more effective. Just be, have, you know, have a more effective catch-up and it could just be those one or two things, you know. We, 
everyone still wants a little bit of downtime, have a bit of fun and a, and a laugh and a giggle, and we're all for that. But you've got to get something out of Come it. Come prepared with a question, at least one question. One thing that happens regularly is um, invoicing. So are we providing the right help in and around how they invoice their customers? Uh, and as you'd know, Jonesy, that has a massive impact on cash flow. Mm. And sometimes we have a, actually haven't asked the right questions and sat down and mm. worked out the way they're transacting with Reese, but not only with Reese, their own customers. And are they getting the full benefit of the tools that we have? Uh, and that's one that comes up often mm. when you actually sit down and do some of these quarterly health checks that Smithy was talking about. Um, it's not just about growing sales. It's about actually helping the back end to generally you know, growing sales is on the bottom tier. It's everything else around it. That's that's the problem. Now, getting the elephant out of the room, what a lot of listeners are going to be saying, oh, bloody Reese, freaking rip off mm. merchants. Their freaking prices are expensive. Oh, they want it, you know, price, 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 price. I'm sick of hearing price. And again, just price does not materially change your life. This is what I tell everyone, like, you know, yeah, get it for the cheapest price, put no margin on it. I guarantee you, you're going to get a lot of work. You're going to do a lot of work after hours. You're going to win a lot of work and you're still giving me that treadmill because you've got no cash, you're struggling and your missus is going to hate you because you're never there. The thing I love and obviously with our partnership and as part of Reese investing in Q Performance's services, it's about adding value to mm. your customers. It's not about just providing materials or a product or a pipe or a tube of silicon that's irrelevant. It's bundling everything around it that will materially help that business owner's business, which obviously will help their life. The importance of adding value to your customers. You know, where does that really stem from? And that's obviously what I see as your competitive advantage in the marketplace that's very hard to replicate. Yeah, and if I can, Jonesy, what I'd say first of all is we've got a responsibility to be competitive. That's our first responsibility. You've got to be profitable, right? I don't think you know, the Reese Group would have um, you know, got to the scale if we've if we've never been competitive, so so that that one's a little bit of a you know red herring maybe at times, um, but I also mentioned earlier you know, we've got our management team has got ten years plus experience in most cases. These guys are, are well educated in the industry. Mm. They know where to find hard to get things. Um, they're they're really conscious and got long term relationships that they that they do treasure with a lot of these um, tradesmen over a long period of time. You know, when we move staff, they want to go with them. They want to, you know, oh, don't leave me, don't leave me. Mm. So because, as Youngie said before, they do feel like they're a part of these businesses. So, you know, there's there's lots of level of value from from our responsibility and the products we bring to the market and then teaching, the you know, the plumbers and the techs and how to use them, you know, what's new. Youngie's touched on the technology, which is more his probably field than mine, so I'll let him talk about that and our responsibilities there. But certainly as far as operationally goes day to day, um, we've got to have the right stock. There's no point someone coming to us, you know, downing tools and actually making the effort to come to us, then we haven't got the stock. In in 22 years, I've never been pulled up by somebody in the organisation to say, hey, you got too much. So, you know, that's just a, some of the things. Yeah, I think you talk about price. That is a really important piece of the puzzle for our offering to our customers. It's got to be a competitive price, um, but our plumbing stores have got – over 5,000 items on the shelf. So it's really about getting close and customising it to the customer's needs. Um, but I suppose adding value in general, it's we're a high-cost model. We've we've got a high cost of doing business. We've got stores all over Sydney. Uh, I think the average would be probably, you know, every 10 minutes you're running into a restore. But inside those stores, we've got a lot of staff and we've got a lot of uh, vehicles that help service the, the metro, but also, you know, the regional areas as well. So... 
that's another part of our service offering. We've got to really know what our offer is to the market. Um, it's really hard to be good, fast and cheap. Um, and I think we, the plumbers and the tradespeople we deal with really struggle with that sometimes. You know, it's really about um, are they the cheapest plumber in Sydney? Because uh, they've really got to know what, what their value proposition is. Uh, you can't do all three. This is what I, got, I say to people, or plumbers will come to me and say, how you been? I've been on busy, heaps, busy, 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 heaps of referrals. Um, so, but yeah, how's your profitability? Terrible. How's your cash flow? Terrible. They're getting all these referrals because they're the cheapest, which you don't want. Now, just testament to, I think, the education process now, where I've seen over 25 years where, especially back in my day, it was very much price, price, price. But again, as business owners now, the old tradies are transitioning to business owners, they understand it's not just about price. They understand in this competitive market where customers expect a lot, there's a lot of compliance, uh, there's a lot of competition out there, that they understand that their supplier is their key partner. Now, just sharing a story, one of my clients got approached by one of Reese's main competitors, used to do work with a number of years ago. New manager come in, said, you know, can I meet with you? Went and met with the, the supplier. Within about the first two minutes, the supplier said, you know, what price can I do? My client pretty much said, is that all you got? Yep, and just sort of cut the meeting, just basically said, you guys just don't get it. You don't get it. It's not just about price. It's about everything else that goes into my service and how do you support that and back that. So I'm really, especially the last five years where there's a lot more information, a lot more podcasts out there, people are understanding it's not about price. So we're moving on that that value-added train. Mm. And again, that then flows over into the tradies' business. You know, what value are they adding their customers? How are they separating themselves and, and not competing on price? Because that's what everyone wants to do, get price off the table. Price shouldn't – if price is on the table and you're just talking about price, then you're not educating the customers in the value that you're well, serving. We trade in a really reactive market. So a big part of it is for us it's about getting the product to the customer in the most efficient and professional way possible. Um, but also, you know, our customised service, we call it, really uh, is underpinned by service, quality, relationships and expertise. Um, and that's what we've really built the, the brand on. Um, and you're right, it's not just about price. It is important, um, but it's also there's much more pieces to the pie that uh, we really focus on. And I suppose the, um, the high service model obviously means uh, high cost for us. So we've got to make sure that we're targeting the customers that actually appreciate that um, and also know that uh, we can tailor our offering uh, to make any offer work for the customer, but it's really about getting close enough to, to understand the importance of their needs and, and how we can best service it. And in line with what you're saying there, there's certain clients there that you've really got to say, look, I can't help you. Sorry, I can't help you. I'd probably just say they might use use us for components of their business in yeah. those those instances, Jonesy. So we've probably got plenty of um, customers who might see for some parts of their business that where our model doesn't suit, um, but then there's other parts of their business where our model does suit. You know, whether it's and it could be again you're using other parts of the business, not the plumbing. They could be using the bathroom life. They could be using the HVAC, Actrol part of the business because it, it, the technical information or that one-on-one -on -one you talked about before with the Perth example um, where we've got we've essentially got a staff member working for the customer nearly directly. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, those models in those instances may well work for them. But th th look, I think the bottom line is the cust if, if we 
can put on the table what it is we can offer through products and services and the customer makes an informed decision. And if, it, if, if from that point it, it's not for them, it's not for them. Uh, yeah, I like that about that informed decision and the takeaway for our listeners definitely is are you educating the customers, giving them enough information so that they are or you're assisting their buying decision, correct? Make yeah. an informed decision. You can come with us or not, that's fine. Don't believe in what we believe in, no problem, but we want to give you at least from our expertise, this is the information, and then go for your life. I can't remember, you know, in that 20-plus years, Jonesy, a customer coming to me and saying, sorry, Craig, we can no longer deal with Reese because um, you're making me money. But the bottom line is, you know, for your listeners, is our, our role is to try and help uh, whichever account customer it is be, be more profitable because mm. they don't generally leave us. It's the essence of the training component that we provide. If we can make tradies more professional, more profitable, they pay on time, they're more loyal, It's again, it comes back to that win-win. Yeah. One of the big opportunities we see is um, guys that are, let's say, for instance, doing uh, a hot water unit and they're trying to play in a market where someone's just swapping in and out of a hot water unit and when you get down and talk to them and say they are actually products out there that will help you differentiate yourself but also get more GP dollar. So it's about educating them on the the value of a different product, a more innovative product that's ultimately going to add value to their customer but also make them more on their material. Um, we see a lot of, a lot of opportunities where that with the, uh, but we've got a real uh, service commitment to our plumbers where we want to protect margin but we do still see a lot of opportunity uh, for our tradespeople that leave money on the table from a markup opportunity where they can still be fair and still offer a great service to their customer. Yeah, we see that a lot. I like that, the money on the t- leaving money on the table where they'll be providing a premium product, they don't put any margin on it just to win the job. So they please the customer, but who doesn't get pleased? Pretty much themselves, their family, because why? Because they've got to actually go out and do more work to try and cover their costs. And some of these guys, Jonesy, are very experienced in their own right. So, you know, there's a real value in the, in the services they're providing as the tradesperson, you know, so you'd, you'd sort of hope that they would value their own experiences and that's, services. That's what I say. I say to people, when people come to me and say, oh, Jonesy, why should I be putting increase my market? Well, I'll tell you what, because you're the expert in this. Mm. You're providing time to source the right product, you know, to get the right product on site, you know, supply it, maintain it. Hold the debt. Hold the debt for it, 100%. Um, now, from just finishing up now, I just want to move on now, which is a critical thing, which I'm a big believer in, is that hey, there's no, no such thing as failure. It's, it's more learning, right? So it's all about that. Hey, we expected to do X and we, we fell on our face. Now, I only call it, I only deem it as a failure if you pretty much stop. From Reese's perspective, the continual learning, you know, continual improvement, and I know it underpins some of your values as well. You know, how important is that to so put the hand up and say, hey, Mr. Customer, or hey, team, yep, I've, I flunked today, but we're going to learn from it. How important is that? Oh, it's massive. So we, we talk about that uh, promote within culture. You've got to have a real mindset as a leader that uh, offers support, not judgment, um, because you're empowering someone to essentially control a business. If they're a manager of a Reese branch, they're controlling a business. Um, and you've got to understand that they're not going to be perfect. Everyone has their bad days. Uh, but it's, you know, every mistake's an opportunity to say, uh, yep, didn't go to plan. Let's look at how we could have done things better. Um, I think we've worked really hard as well uh, over the last year or two around how we facilitate our coaching. You know, it's not the tell. It's to ask a lot of questions to ensure that, uh, 
you're creating insights to, for mm. people to say, yeah, you know what, I could have done that a lot better. But yeah, like we're we're not a company that's perfect, and you got to accept that and uh, look at, at opportunities to coach. And no company is perfect, that's for sure, Smitty. Yeah, look. I learned something from my boys' school, Jonesy, where, you know, from a from a guy's point of view is we probably don't learn as well as, as maybe the girls do through text, you know, reading a lot of information. We're more visual. Um, so to that end, you know, we've got TVs, you know, TV screens now in our branches. Uh, when we're doing our toolbox meeting, a lot of it's done via, you know, laptop screens and so forth. So guys can see stuff visually. A lot of our teaching aids, I suppose, on our website and that that plumbers can go to around, you know, how do you do this joint, how do you do that joint, it's it's very visual as opposed to – so there's sorts of things too we need to stay abreast of and to Youngie's point around, you know, um, you know, don't tell, you've got to teach. And, and mm. these, these are some of the, I suppose, the support uh, mechanisms that we have got in place now that we can not only help our staff but help our customers. There's no doubt uh, – the tradespeople we deal with are having similar issues around the new generation coming through. So, you know, the buzzwords, the millennials, um, lock it or lump it, they're our future. Uh, so we've got to actually embrace, there's a different way you need to deal with the new generation coming through. So I think we're finding you got a real divide. So guys say, I don't want an apprentice because they're hopeless. They just don't get it. They just, you know, they're not like they used to be. Correct. They're not like they used to be. So you got to actually learn how they... How do you get the best out of them? What are their limitations? And accept that. You know, you've, you know, we've got business owners now that have to adapt to the generation, not to one person. Mm. It, you can't change a generation. So I think internally we've had to really adapt to that. And even the way we learn now, um, you know, we've got a great uh, department, the People Experience Department, who are really forward thinking in the way we're going to have to uh, teach our staff members moving forward. There's not just one set way to do it. Uh, we've got to offer a variety. Well, just on that, you look at now how people consume their media, podcasts, mm. audio, videos. You know, a lot, a lot of people don't want to read text and how they learn. Just taking a step back for one second, which is really important, you know, having that culture where the team are comfortable to put their hand up and say, I've made a mistake. Because often in a lot of businesses, you know, people put their hand up, I've made a mistake, they get hit over the head with a ruler and then they okay I'm never going to do that again I'm not, I don't want to where so it's about that culture of actually sharing learnings and being having an open and transparent culture that hey it's okay to make the mistake because we're all going to learn from that how important is that about that sharing of the the learnings I can remember uh, when I got my first manager's gig Jonesy uh, in having having Alan Wilson come and uh, have a visit and as he's done with many uh, a Reese employee over the years he he sort of leads you out of the branch. You go for a bit of a walk around the the yard, you know. And as he, he makes it, he's making out that he's looking at things, but he's actually giving you some mentoring. Um, and it was really about that entrepreneurial spirit. And if we talk about you know those the first time plumbers guys getting out, you know the journeymen and so forth getting out, it's you're going to make mistakes. And, and I've made plenty of them. I've ordered roofs the wrong colour. Um, I've ordered P traps instead of S traps. But you learn. You, you do learn, and you have to have. Uh, whether, you, whether you're whether you're Reese or whether you're the plumber, you, you've got to have a, I suppose, some flexibility around you know learnings and, and making mistakes. Uh, you tend to find you know the the good people if they make a mistake and they learn by it, they don't make them again. Uh, is, is generally what I, what I find. But we've, I suppose, the other thing to culture is we're trying to take some of that best of the past Reese 
and adding it to the best of the new Reese, which will be around um, services and products and technology and how we do things in 2018 versus how we did it, you know, 20 and 30 years ago. Look, I heard a really good quote uh, at a World Business Forum recently. Mark Webber, the Formula One driver, was talking and he just made a comment around to be successful, you've got to be to, to be prepared to do the things that others won't. And if we want our staff members and our future leaders to be successful, we've got to expect that things won't always go to plan. Mm. And um, I think Reese has been really good for myself is creating an environment where disruption is expected. Um, and with disruption, you're going to have challenges. But if you don't learn, you don't grow. So, And you're going to make mistakes when you're learning. Um, but it's huge because, as I said before, every mistake is an opportunity to coach. And I, I frame that as being uncomfortable. You've always got to be in this uncomfortable zone, which is telling you that you're challenging yourself, mm. you're growing, yes, you're failing. But if you are in that comfort zone, which a lot of businesses fall into, they're not growing and they're not going to be competing going forward. One of the things from our point of view, you know, our business, we're not, we're not a big business, but we're, every day we're making mistakes. Every day there's something that happens, but I'm big on, you know, with our team, and I know Reese the same, it's how you respond. And if you do, if you flunk it with customer service, again, you put the wrong roof on, that's not the issue. It's the last experience that that customer has is how you respond to that. Because mm. I find if you've got a customer that absolutely hates you and then you find out about it and you go and you put your hand up and say, I understand you hate me, mm. and we've flunked. You take the pressure off that they're at boiling point. They come back down to your level. And they go, "Oh wow, thanks for actually listening to me. I was I was ready for a fight. No, we don't. We we're here for you, and we put our hand up. Generally, what I find that that bond, that loyalty, is stronger than ever. It's uh, it's it's one of the it's one of the areas I suppose our experienced people, uh, you know, have got I think a lot better at with some of the training we've done internally is is that whole complaints handling and. And seeing the objection as an opportunity, not as, you know, someone wants to give me a kick up the backside, you know, seeing it as a learning opportunity, a coaching opportunity, as Youngie said. And, you know, I, generally if a complaint gets to, to me, you know, it's the Friday afternoon, the phone goes, I don't recognise the number, oh, what's this going to be? Um, and I had one of those last week. And But it was a really, it was on the flip side, it was a really nice one where Someone who'd run big business themselves had gone out of their way to track me down to give some kudos to a couple of branch staff members for going the extra mile. Um, That's great. So, but at the same time, at the, at the start of this particular um, story, though, it, it didn't start that way. You know, it started, there was a hard to find part, customers getting frustrated, uh, but at the end, we we're able to sort of get there for them. And, you know, I suppose they're the things, and you have to. You know, going back to, uh, the, you know, what the future might look like, that ability, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm probably one of the older versions in Reese now, so the ability to adapt to the, to the changes, you know, the millennials. and But the one thing I'd say about uh, the millennials, James, is they're also the first frontline staff now that we can train and use our system within 24 to 48 hours. They're, they're all over PCs. Um, they love the technology. They love the technology, the iPhones. You know, as much as it might frustrate you that they've snuck around the corner and jumped on Facebook for a few seconds, but they're going to be the first one to solve your IT problem in the branch. Yeah. They've, they've moved away from the rocks and the stones and the chisel. Yeah, one, one thing that we find we do well when you're talking about addressing mistakes is we do daily huddles. So every branch will get together either in the morning or the afternoon. They talk about the day that was, whether, whether it be yesterday or what's ahead, what's on, what went well you know, what potentially didn't go well that we could 
make better for today. And if you look at a trade business owner, they don't have the luxury of having everyone in the one building. They've got guys traveling all over the, the city. Um, if you don't have an environment where you're, you know, acknowledging mistakes are going to happen and they're an opportunity to coach, you're going to get guys trying to cover things up. It's going to be much worse for your business. And it comes back to that rhythm, right? I know Reese are very big on that rhythm. What processes have organisations got to actually collect that data, to actually share that story? A lot of times, too many tradies think, oh, it's a waste of time. I haven't got time to have that meeting or this half an hour meeting. Generally, why meetings don't go well is because the owner is there just talking for 30 minutes Mm. and everyone's tuned out after about three minutes. Is that what we try and do with all our clients? You shut up. You stand back and let other people do the talking. Don't interrupt. Don't butt in. Let the the tribe, let the community yeah. actually do the talking. That's when you get some really you know, meaty conversations. But more importantly, what you mentioned, insights, learnings. Ah, oh, a bit of light bulb moment. What are you telling me this three years ago? Well, I actually did, but you weren't listening because you just wanted to talk. Yeah. Peer-to-peer is huge. 100%. Yeah. So business owners listening out there, get out of the way, stand back and let the team who have got a lot of knowledge, a lot of information to share and help you let them do the work for you. Yeah, and you're not on your own. You know, as far as if you're talking specifically about recruitment and trying to find people, we're on that journey ourselves. You know, continually trying to find uh, new people to come into the organisation. You know, and, and I know plumbers. You know, we've you only got to look at our cafe bar notice boards, uh, Jonesy, and see there's applicants. Well, people looking for uh, people everywhere posted around our chalkboards and so forth. So. Um, but, you know, we're always willing to have a conversation um, and, and help as part of our health checks, quarterly, six-monthly, what, whatever routine or rhythm works for them. And, uh, and, and probably on routine and rhythm, it's, it's, not, it's not a difficult thing. The hardest thing is to stay disciplined to actually do it. Mm. It's not the, the agendas, if you like, within your routine and rhythms aren't the difficult part. The difficult part is every Monday getting out of bed and saying, Right, I stick to the plan. And it comes back to what you mentioned at the get-go, Smitty, one percenters. Mm. This is how we do it here. This is how we do it and just stick to the little things that work well. Recruitment and, you know, I was talking to a customer up in Cairns telling me how I'm struggling for team members. I'm talking to someone the other day or last week, Hobart, I'm struggling for team members. I'm talking to someone in Perth, I'm struggling for team members. Everyone seems to think it's just their only own patch. Now, big C's, little C's, everyone's in the same vein where we need great people. We need great resources to help drive it. How we can do it in this day and age, especially with the millennials, you've got to invest in systems. You've got to show that you care about your team. You've got to reinvest in your team. And I think that's one of the key things that I've seen from the outside looking in that you know, the Reese team have done really, really well in terms of leveraging the success today. We've taken a lot uh, in some instances. We all like our footy at Reese. Uh, you know, we've taken something from um, a lot of the sporting teams, you know, uh, professional and how, you know, you only got to drop 2% on the year before and you fall back in the pack. So you've got to create your own. That, you know, would be, you know, I suppose my message there. If you think you're going to go out and recruit A-graders all the time, it's not going to happen. You, you, if you've got the environment, the culture, you've got the experienced people already on board, bringing people into that environment, you'll get better outcomes. I think the, you hear a lot of business owners now say, well, you know, you get an apprentice in and all they want to do is own their own business in, you know, five, six years. Um, that may be the case, but you can't let that get in the way of getting someone and training them up. Um, if you train them up the right way, you never know. They could be a co-director one day. Um, That's right. So, yeah, I, th- I think guys miss a lot of opportunities from getting some good caliber young guys just by 
um, being a bit risk adverse in well, where, they, where are they going to be in five years. Invest the time. I think you'll find it'll actually generate a huge um, benefit to the culture of your business. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that just comes down to mindset of what you think, oh, everyone's a dickhead or hang on. Mm. Because some businesses are killing it. Some businesses are attracting great team members. So it's not just, oh, the market's tough. No, it's just you're not attracting great team members, but other people are. So it's not just the market. The risk we take every time, James, we put a young person on is travel. You know, these days you find a lot of the kids want to go away. So we, you know, we've probably got a pretty intensive first two years for people to start with us with what, because there's a lot to learn between procedure and products. But our risk is always that they're going to jump on a plane and go overseas. Um, but if we, to, to Youngie's point, if we were, you know, really overly reactive around that, then we wouldn't put them on and then we wouldn't be able to feed some of the growth that we've had. Smitty, Youngie, great to have you guys with us today. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity, Jonesy. Uh, enjoyed having a chat about the industry. Thanks, Jonesy. Thanks for having us. It was, uh, yeah, we had a great time. Cheers, guys. And thank you for listening to Power Up Your Business podcast.